0: Three Big questions about the Pacers As we round out the year 2023 did they make the right choice Changing their starting five should Juris Walker be playing and should their goals Be different given their recent skid And start to the season we'll talk about it all today On the locked on Pacers podcast You are locked on Pacers Your daily Indiana Pacers podcast Part of the locked on Podcast network Your team every day Happy Thursday, y'all, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers Podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we have a lot to talk about. This was going to be a guested episode with some bigger topics to close out the year, but I don't know how time zones work, so I'm bad at texting, but... We're still going to dive into them solo today, talking about three big questions the Pacers are facing heading into the end of the year. One was going to be, I wrote this topic uh, on Monday, should the Pacers change their starting lineup? Well, we know the answer to that, so it's going to change to, did they make the right choice changing their starting five? Is this the correct lineup? Question two, should Jaros Walker be playing? One of the biggest topics in the land of Pacerville right now. A lot of people talking about that. And three, Are the Pacers' goals different, or should they be different for the rest of this season? We will start with lineups, and specifically the starting lineup, which if you missed it, somehow the Pacers have changed. Uh, Jalen Smith started in Houston. Aaron Neesmith started in Houston. Andrew Nemhard started in Houston, although Bruce Brown is injured. Um, If you're listening to this on Thursday, they play the Bulls tonight. And Bruce Brown's not going to play in that game. He's out. So Andrew Nemhard presumably will start again. Who knows what the decision will be there. I am on the record saying, I think Nemhard's a better fit with Halburn And maybe you keep going with that. Smith starting was the one that I thought made the most sense. If they were going to make a change. Jalen Smith starting for Turner. I talked about that a little yesterday. But I'll talk about it again. Right now, though, I'm going to pull up some numbers. Because... The thing that struck me the most about this, and I talked about this a little after the Rockets game, is that they made this change at all, right? We are at you know, 29, 30-ish games into the season, and data is normalizing, and teams are figuring out what their best groups are, and who fits with who, and all that kind of stuff, and the Pacers have two lineups that have played over 100 minutes this season. One was their old starting lineup the one that started the season, Halberton, Brown, Matherin, Top and Turner. That group wasn't working. They pulled the plug on it, but it has a minus 1.1 net rating. It's not very good. There's a reason they pulled the plug on it. It has 143 minutes. The other group that has over 100 minutes played for the Pacers is their former starting lineup, the one that they just stopped using earlier this week. It's played 171 minutes. And they have a plus 19.9 net rating with that group on the floor. That is unbelievably good. Right? That is Halliburton, Healed, Brown, Toppin, Turner. So just healed in for Matherin from the starting five. Their assist to turnover ratio is unbelievable. Their assist percentage is fantastic. They rebound pretty well, especially on the defensive end compared to the group with Matherin in there. Their effective field goal percentage is insane. Their true shooting percentage is 67%. It's an efficient group. Their defense is not very good. Their defensive rating is 114.1, though. That's not the worst thing ever. And some of that is that their offense is so good that the other team's pulling the ball out of the rim a lot. But all this to say, that's crazy good, right? If you sort the Pacers' lineups by minutes, like that is as good as it gets. A lot of their other high-minute lineups don't even sniff that. Their other high-minute lineups that sniff that are like garbage-time groups. But there is another lineup that has good-ish minutes and has a plus-27.9 net rating. And that's Halberton, Nismith, Nemhard, Turner, Heald. And some of their other groups with good net ratings that are doing well have Nemhard and Halberton in them. And some of their other groups that have net ratings that are really good and have a lot of minutes have NeSmith Halberton in them. And so you kind of sort through them and you go, huh? A lot of their best lineups seem to have these NeSmith Nemhard names all over the place in them, which is not that surprising. It doesn't take a genius to go, well, hey, last year they started both of them a lot, right? Last year's starting five. With with those two healed Halbert and Turner, they know that group well. So turning back to something similar to that and finding success is unsurprising to me. And so I think that on one hand, the numbers say that sticking with the old group was successful. My argument was and still is that they could have found ways to tweak their rotation without changing their starting five, right? Take healed out first. And I know that seems counterintuitive because you want to play him with Halburn as much as possible, but they need the shooting with the bench, even though he's not shooting well. Right? Take Heald out first or take, um, put Neesmith in first uh, uh, for Bruce Brown. Have Bruce Brown be a supercharged guy. That's kind of what they were doing at times. But there's a lot of ways that you can go off of your starting lineup into your rotation, right? And their bench was so good early in the season when Heald was with it. You know, that was a big part of their success for their first three or four weeks, if you remember, was their bench being so good. So I thought that that's what they would do, is they would try to build out from this high-minute lineup that has a crazy net rating. Instead, they said, let's try to find a starting lineup that works and a way to mix and match along the way, which does make sense, right? Pretend if if that plus 19.9 drops to plus 10 because they're with their new starting five, But then the rotations decisions along the way are all way better than the old ones. Well, that's totally worth it, right? That's totally worth doing. So that's the thing I think the trade-off the Pacers are trying to make. To answer the question asked, though, did the Pacers make the right choice or should they? I think we need more time because I would still say it's possible the answer is no. Because that old lineup, despite Heald having, you know, an off like month now pretty much, despite Brown being up and down, is still unbelievably good. They lean into their offensive strength, and they just score like crazy to the point that even though they don't have good defensive players in that lineup, like they had a they had a Matherin top-and-heeled stretch in the Houston game that was just brutal with the bench, right? That trio is tough to overlap. Two of those guys start with their old starting five that had such a good net rating. But they score so well, it doesn't matter. They're such a threatening offensive five, and so a lot of their games start You know with 25 to 25 after six minutes and then they go from there and so I think that we will see if they can do better because that's a really effective group and so I I don't know the answer is I don't know but it's not about just that, that lineup right I think that's the important part to remember as you assess this going forward and I know I just cited their net rating to say that I don't know if it'll be the right choice but that's what I was talking about before it's about the rotation from there how the sub patterns work, who's with who, what combinations work because Nemhard and Niesmith have been so critical to so many groups. They're two of the best perimeter defenders on the team. Now, especially with Neesmith's growth as an attacker, they can both put the ball on the floor and score, right? Like that—that that is really threatening as well. They are both effectively two-way players. Nemhard's shot hasn't fallen this season. nismith has been terribly inconsistent to a fault, even though he's been a good player this year. So I think that that alone makes it worth it. They have a much more strong defensive lineup, and that's worth exploring, especially during a slump. And the third and final factor I would put into this discussion is you could pretty easily argue, Nemhard, Bruce Brown notwithstanding, that the new starting five has been the players who, going back to their early season discussion about who earned minutes, right? Turner, Halliburton, Neesmith, right? They've earned the minutes they've earned starting they and Jalen Smith those guys have been the best players for the Pacers so often the season whether it's because they're shooting their defense they're rebounding all the above whatever they have been the players the, the best players on the team or the most consistent players on the team and the most important whatever phrasing you want to use that means they earned the time maybe you throw them all together and see what it looks like and if, if you made me gun to my head put a fifth guy in as the earned the fifth most minutes guy I would say Bruce Brown um like Nemhard was not shooting well early in the season, but recent play says, Hey, maybe it should be Andrew Nemhard who's been that guy number five. So in that argument, they would have made the right choice changing the starting five. So this question was going to be, should they now it said they make the right choice. Some numbers say, well, maybe not. We'll see there. They have a high bar to clear with a new starting five, but a lot of other numbers and anecdotes about what actually changing a starting lineup does and is four and, who stands to benefit and what the Pacers motivations are for doing this. Well, that remains to be seen. And I think that we'll learn more in the next couple of games as we see more time with a new bench. Maybe Bruce Brown comes back and we can really figure out what they're assessing. And we can see if this is a permanent thing that actually does kind of help their defense to start games and Halberton, his offensive level is so high that, That might just be enough for them to win anyway. It's just defenders plus Halberton. That's my theory for trades anyway. Let's talk about Jairus Walker. Everybody wants to know why isn't he playing still. Should he be playing? That's a big burning question as we head into uh, the new year with two more games for the Pacers, of course. Until then, before we talk about that, we're going to talk about the lovely people over at eBay Motors who are our partners that have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you... Some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouring the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. One of them, a guy the Pacers saw recently in the central division, Jaden Ivey, a Purdue guy. Monty Williams is finally giving him minutes. Ivey is delivered. The Pistons stink. It remains to be seen if Monty Williams keeps that role consistent, but Ivy is worth an add. Dante Exum now starting for Rick Carlisle's old team, the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, when healthy. He's been playing well. He's been starting. His shooting has been awesome. Isaiah Hartenstein's going to play a bunch for the Knicks with Mitchell Robinson out. Jalen Johnson is back for the Hawks, and Torian Prince was awesome for the Lakers against the Pacers in the in-season tournament finals. He's not a spectacular player, but the Lakers need a shooting. He's playing well of late. All these guys are worth adding. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship Well, eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same with your vehicle. Think back to your first car. or Even think about your dream car that you'd love. You'd do anything to fix it up Keep it running. You'd do anything to get the upgrade you wanted to keep your dream car alive. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly on eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED lights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it is guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or you will get your money back. Plus, at those prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at eBay Motors. Dot com eBay guaranteed fit only available to US customers eligible items only exclusions apply back here on locked on pacers thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second lesson jump on over to locked on bulls who the pacers play tonight in Chicago they're playing much better although a little more rickety in recent recent games but much better since Levine's injury Kobe White looks fantastic here are the latest on the Bulls from the guys over at Lockdown On Bulls. Question two that has come up a lot for the Pacers in the last month or so that will be fascinating to monitor going into next year is all about Jaris Walker. Should he be playing? So you have to define your goals for the Pacers before you can answer this question. To me, right? Because if you're just naming the best 10 Pacers players this year, are the 10 guys most likely to win you a game on a given night, Jarris Walker is not among them. Now there are a couple matchups of teams that are too big for the Pacers. They don't have good matchups to slow them down. Where you might say his size alone is enough for him to play, and I would say, yeah, okay, maybe. He's not a good defensive player right now. Now, before you say it, no one on the Pacers is. I get that. No rookie is a good defender. The Pacers are not a good defensive team. I hear you. That that is true. Um, But he's not a stopper right now. His offense, his best skills, his passing, he is shooting it well in the G League, like 38%. um, But he's he's growing. He's a developing player. He is not one of their best 10 best players. So if you're the Pacers and you're saying, well, we're trying to win this year. We want to make whatever round of the playoffs. We want to make it. We want to make not the plan. Then that is your decider. If your goals are long term, which is what Chad Buchanan said they were thinking um, before the season, then maybe you would like to play Jairus Walker. I said before the season, first of all, in my rotation prediction, and second of all, just in my goals and predictions for the team, that they would be thinking more long-term. I thought that would be the case, and thus, I thought Jairus Walker would be in their rotation. That's what I thought. I still think, even though they have a winning record with the new year coming up, the development should be key for them and playing him should be important. But I understand not if the goal is just to win and play the guys who have earned it because he's not gonna help you in the ways that people think he he will be able to. I, I'm very certain. His IQ is very obvious on defense. You can see it with his passing. Like he already kind of reads the NBA game. Like I think not sooner than later, He will be worth playing, and the defense will be good. Right now, that is not the case, right? So I get why he hasn't played. They have 10 capable guys, and the thing is, a lot of them are young, right? People forget this a lot about the Pacers, that over half their rotation are still guys on their rookie-scale deals. So it's not easy to figure out who you're pulling to play him, especially in the front court where they're already playing a lot of young guys. So that was a lot of rambling to say, the rubric matters. How you're defining what the Pacers should do matters. To me... My answer to this question would be yes. I think Jairus Walker should be playing, not because I think he can solve what the Pacers' problems are, which is what everybody thinks he should be playing to do, but because I think giving him the ramp to develop is important. Now, it's hard to figure out who I would pull out of the rotation. Um, certainly, it's tough in the frontcourt, and it's hard to figure out exactly what his best role is for the Pacers, but it seems like being a short-roll passer or creator of some kind is where he excels right now. And you got to get him the reps to get better on defense at some point. So I would be trying to play him as much as possible. And my tune has changed a little on that. I will say, um, not because, like I said before the season, I would play him, but really recently, like the last two weeks, I've kind of I'm going to up the volume on that discussion. Like his last two NBA games, right in Washington, a couple Fridays ago, was his first real rotation level, we need Jeris Walker to play, this makes sense for us, let's put him out there, situation, and he did well, you know, he had five points, he made some nice defensive moments, he was moving around well, Right, he looked good, the very next night, they threw him out there, against the Wizards, guess what, he looked good, right, in total, those two, Timberwolves, excuse me, I just said Wizards again, in those two games consecutively, 10 points on four for seven shooting, four boards, three assists, two steals in 37 and a half minutes. And he made some defensive strides, right? So that was the first thing that happened for him. And I sat after that weekend like, hey, this is now more of a discussion because it's not just about playing Jarris to develop him. It's like, oh, maybe there is stuff he can do to help us a little bit right now, even if the defense is a little weaker. And he had some defensive flashes that weekend too. That was noteworthy to me for his success. And a reminder he played 37 and a half minutes that night out of like 84 on the season. Like almost half of his minutes this whole season came that weekend and he was good. So almost half of his minutes are productive, right? If anyone just looks at his stats and tells you he hasn't been productive, that, that's just like a misleading way of looking at his season. He followed it up, though, with the G League Showcase. Run. I talked about this a little uh, earlier this week on this podcast. He goes down to the G League Showcase. He makes the all-showcase team. right? He has 31 points in that first game. He couldn't make a three to... to for his life in the second one but he still finished uh, that event with 22 points per game was great on the glass his efficiency was impressive right all that was fantastic he's taking steps forward as a pro that's what I wrote about it I wrote about I talked to Jairus Walker about it I have quotes from McCarlisle in there right you can see how he's getting better you can see how they hope to use him and he's reading the game in a way That is a little more meaningful. And so that makes me think that he's a little more ready now than he was even a month ago. And so I already was from before the season like, yeah, they should be playing this guy. They should be developing their lottery pick, right? Now I think you really should if you're the Pacers. I think you pull, maybe it's Toppin, not out of the rotation. Maybe you pull pull a few minutes from Toppin and a few minutes from one of the guards and give Jairus Walker 10 minutes a game. Just try to find him 10 minutes a night. Even if they go poorly, it's only 10 minutes. You have to do it to me. Because that helps his value, that helps him get better. That is worth it for your team to explore what situations he plays the best in. And the thing is, I keep saying that he's not a good defensive player right now. And he's not, right? He's not. They've they've talked about that. Rick had quotes on the record about it. But for him to become one, playing is important, right? Getting the reps is important. So for him to be the thing that they want him to be, a defensive four that can wreak havoc and be that kind of guy, he's got to play. He's got to play. So to, to answer the question, should Jarrett Walker be playing? My answer is, uh, if, I, if I were in charge, yes. I would be trying to find ways to get Jarrett Walker on the floor for the Pacers. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> they have a lot of guys deserving of minutes, and that's what makes it so hard. And the other question is, well, if their goals are to win, is he one of their best options to help them win games right now? The answer to that question is no, absolutely not. He's not. Um, and some of that is to no fault of him. He's young and joined a team that has you know, 10, 12 guys who can play. But some of that is... You know on them to figure out what that would look like if they want to play him so that is my answer to the question should Jairus Walker be playing and that is going to be an important question as the Pacers progress forward They're still over 500 if they had stumbled and gone under this week or if they had lost 7 of 8 instead of you know 6 out of 9 which they all sound way different maybe they think about it a little differently he has not been assigned to the G League the Madden to just restart the regular season on Wednesday so we'll see if he has more assignments coming his way but that is my answer to the question of should Pacers rookie Jairus Walker be playing. Last question we're going to address today: Are the Pacers' goals different, or should they be, from their start to the season? We'll talk about that and then what it means for maybe trades or how they approach these rotation discussions <laughs> to close out today's show. But before we do any of that, we're going to talk about the lovely people over at Prize Picks who are making daily fantasy sports made easy. It's the most easy and exciting way to play DFS you just pick more than or less than on two to six players and their stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. for example Anthony Davis <clears throat> is he gonna have more than or less than two blocks in a game Or is Damian Lillard going to have more than or less than four three-pointers made? Those aren't real lines for tonight, but that's the example of what prize picks is. And you do that for two to six players, you pick more or less, you can win. They have combo league projections now, so you can do LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a ten-and-a-half combo of three-pointers plus receptions. And they have a reboot policy, so if one of your players gets hurt, guess what? You can reboot and pop right Back in the game. They're the only daily fantasy sports platform offering that in- that injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Use the code lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Repeat that. That is prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA and use that code lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you as always for making lockdown pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, hop on over to Locked On Nuggets. Hear how they're going to adjust without Aaron Gordon, who got a bit by his dog in the face. Ooh, that is brutal. He's a great player. He fits them very well. Hopefully, not a long absence for him, and the Nuggets can keep it rolling. But what are they going to do without him? And how serious is this? Locked On Nuggets will have the answers to those questions and more. The final question today here on Locked On Pacers their goals. Should their goals be different after their start to the season? Well, that is really interesting. You know, I, I keep seeing people say to me, text me, tweet at me, say to my face when they see me something like this. Man, we need to change expectations for this team. And that has been in the recent weeks when they have, you know, been losing, right? They lost 6-7 prior to that Houston game. They are 3-6 and six since the in-season tournament, right? Those are crummy numbers, right? They're, they're losing. People are saying, we need to change our expectations, lower our expectations. And I get why. Because that's a bad record. Three and six in the moment is bad. Let's talk about a couple of things about this Pacers season. First, let's start with the ongoing stretch. Since the in season tournament, the Pacers are three and six. Their losses are to Orlando, uh, Memphis with John Morant in Memphis. So that's a good team. Orlando is a good team. Uh, the Clippers, who had the longest winning streak in the league at the time. The Timberwolves, who have the best record in the league. Milwaukee, who's very good. Five of their six losses are like, you're fine with it if you're the Pacers, right? It's just the consequence of the schedule being hard right then. And then there's that Wizards loss. That's the one. And you can see the team playing, first of all. I'm not dismissing that they played bad. You can see that they're playing bad in these games. They've acknowledged that. They were down like 20 plus in four or five in a row. The Wizards loss is the one that makes it tough. If they are four and five since the tournament with that win profile, I don't think people would think about this stretch in the way they are. But they did lose to the Wizards. They got their butt kicked by the Wizards. And that is part of the alarmist part of this is that that happened. And that also speaks to what makes this question, should the Pacers' goals be different? So interesting to me because they had done a lot of awesome things this season. They beat the Cavs in Cleveland. They beat the Cavs again, right? They beat the Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia. They beat the Hawks in Atlanta. They beat Miami in Miami. They beat Boston. They beat Milwaukee on a neutral site, right? Like they have all these wins that you're like, whoa, the Pacers did that. That's crazy. they beat Houston in Houston. I know that's not as big of a deal as any of the ones I just said, but Houston's been amazing at home this year. Amazing. They're a good team. They're not a great team like some of the ones I just said, but they're a good team. Like, you look at that and you go, wow, they must be playing great. And I we this has been a topic – discussed ad nauseum this season. They can beat anybody at any time. They can also lose to anybody at any time. And then they, they've lost to Portland at home. They've lost to Toronto at home. They've lost to Chicago when they were bad at home. They've lost to Charlotte at home. right? They lost to the Wizards, obviously. Like They have some crummy losses. And so those two things in tandem, some great wins and some bad losses, make it hard to assess this team. They started great. They had that consistent stretch of 500 play. They had a great in-season tournament run. And they've been crummy ever since. Right? So... I think it's interesting that people are saying expectations need to be lowered, because the start to the season being as solid as it was actually raised them from where they were just two months ago. Two months ago, the season had just started. The Pacers over/under at most sports books, like the one I used for a lot of my preseason projections, uh, was 37 and a half. Was their over/under, right? Like a sub 500 team, and a lot of them closed a little higher than that. But I don't know any book that closed the Pacers win total number at even above 40. Right. So before the season, the prevailing thought from prognosticators was they were a sub 500 team. I, one of those people, I predicted the Pacers would go 40 and 42 this season. Right. That's below 500. That's not a winning team. They currently have a winning record. So, what expectations are being lowered? <laughs> Is it the ones they set for themselves after a couple weeks of really impressive wins? Is that the ones that some people had before the season that they'd be better? Because I think most people didn't expect them to be that good. I think their quality of wins is certainly a factor here. Certainly is a factor. But here's the other part of this to add in. I'm just adding context on context. Their early season schedule is easier than their upcoming schedule. Rick Carlisle said it. right. The first 16 is important. It's home heavy. They've got some easier opponents. They know their January is tough. It's right around the corner. Right. That will be hard for them. Right? So maybe them having a winning record now makes sense given their schedule and then they'll fall a little below like their early season predictions. But for me personally, I can't speak to the sports books. I don't know how they do this, but for me personally, I remember, I ran through the schedule one game at a time. You can find the easy stretches. You can find the hard stretches. You can find the back to backs and you can really learn a lot from doing that exercise. And I still got the Pacers at 40 wins this season. And I had right now, you'll never guess. 15 wins projected for the Pacers. So they, oh, for me, given what I thought they would be this season, which was a, a little under a 500 team, they're on pace to do that despite having so many upset wins. So they're not ahead of schedule. because the, 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 They have not outpaced their wins by getting all these crazy wins over really good teams. So this long string of thought about this question of are the Pacers goals different? Should they be different is to say no. Whatever the Pacers goals were, whatever they thought their direction was before the season, it should be exactly the same right now. They, The only thing that should change is the information. They know more about who fits with who. They know more about Ben Mather. They know more about Jairus Walker. They know more about Andrew Nemhard. They know more about every young guy and vet on the team. That has changed. That is the stuff they know more or less about. And so the value of those players and what it means for transactions and what it means to the Pacers long-term and how they fit with Halliburton, that they know. They also know that Tyrese Halliburton is an unbelievable player. This all matters. But their goals should not be different. If before the season they thought they were going to try to win but still stick, do that, and long-term it at the same time, that should still be their goals to me. If before the season they wanted to make the playoffs by any means possible, that should still be their goal to me. Nothing that's happened so far should have detracted from that. If they wanted to have this be a development year, because over half their rotation is is on their rookie skill deals, they should that should still be their goals. So all this to say, I think that no, they should not have different goals. Their expectations should not be lowered. We've seen that they can beat anybody and lose to anybody. That's a team that shouldn't have any expectations, quite frankly. Any night, anything could happen. Isn't that quite frankly... Doesn't that to a T say there should not be expectations on a team like this? So that my answer to that question is no. The Pacers' goal should be the exact same as it were before the season. Their expectations should be exactly the same. This should be thought of as a plan team, as about a five hundred team that any night their high powered offense can beat you, and any night their terrible defense can cost them so to answer the questions did the Pacers make the right choice changing their starting five I would not have done it but I get why they did it and so far they can say hey you idiot look what we're doing is working should Jairus Walker be playing my answer is yes I think he should but it's very hard to find the way that it works and are the Pacers goals different or should they be my answer is no the Pacers goal should not be different we will see and how those questions are answered for the next month could define a ton of of the rest of this Pacers season, really looking forward to seeing how it all comes together. And you know, we'll cover all of it here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Pacers in Chicago tonight. Looking forward to that one. Kobe White's been on a tear for the Bulls. Vucevic is out. Levine's out for Chicago, um, but they've been good without those guys. It's been a very interesting stretch for them. We'll see if the Pacers can pull it off. I'll be there, so you'll be seeing uh, a podcast from the United Center tomorrow, and uh, in, in hopefully the back room that I usually have been doing it in. And I'm able to go because of you guys. So thanks a ton for that. Hope you all have a Merry Christmas uh, and a Happy Holiday and are adjusting well to being back out of that holiday period. We'll be talking Pacers Bulls tomorrow for the last show of 2023. That is absolutely crazy to say. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you soon.